Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have Charlemagne the God. He's best known as one-third of the Power 105 morning show, The Breakfast Club, which is nationwide syndication. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and creator of the Black Effect Podcast Network. Next up, I'll talk to Charlemagne about his small-town roots, rubbing people the wrong way, and the importance of therapy. Up next, Charlemagne the God. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating. What's your favorite theme? Who was your favorite guest? What was your favorite point of last call? How about your favorite question in Gone in 60 Seconds? Who would you like to see on the show? Please leave a five-star rating. We drop a new episode each, each, each Thursday. I write a column in the New York Post each Thursday. This week's episode, Charlemagne the God. This week's theme is Mind Over Matter. You're bigger than your circumstances. And guess what? If you think big, dream big, there's nothing you can't accomplish. But part of that is having focus. And it's hard to have the kind of mental fortitude you need if you're constantly playing highlight reels of trauma in your mind. If you haven't made peace with a loved one, or if you haven't made peace within yourself, This is why therapy is so very important. Seeking help for mental health is nothing to be ashamed of. It's no different from going to a cardiologist to make sure your heart is okay. The heart and the mind work together. And I did it. I adopted therapy into my routine. A professional therapist, you know why? to unpack some of the drama that I didn't realize that I had. How about growing up and never meeting your father? Growing up poor, you never think about how boiling water to wash up really shaped me as a young person. How about deciding that I was going to choose sports over the streets? That didn't necessarily go so well on the block all of the time. How about losing games, missing shots, having turnovers? Good days, bad days. How have I been able to navigate? You have to unpack it. If you have the opportunity, please seek professional help. Just someone to talk to, someone to articulate some of the things that you've gone through in your life. I've dealt with multiple deaths Over the past three years, my late great uncle, Paramore Hicks Jr., was a hero to me, the Muhammad Ali of my family. My oldest brother, William Bill Rose, was my bodyguard, my security in the present. 
my grandmother, Earth Angel, Mary Bell Hicks, at 103 years of age. My mother, Jeannie Cassandra Rose, who created the name of Jalen. I lost her February 2nd. I needed somebody to talk to to unpack that. It has made me better. I advise you, if you can, to do the same thing. I also highly recommend meditation. I make sure I take at least minimum 30 minutes a day where I'm not on the phone. I'm not staring at the computer. I'm not staring at television. I'm not on social media and I'm decompressing. I'm thinking, I'm meditating, I'm praying, I'm planning. I'm focused on myself. I'm recharging my battery. Consider doing that more than once if you can. But if you can't do that, at least five minutes a day. And by the way, it's free. Being a kinder, more empathetic person starts with being kind to yourself and having peace within. My next guest knows all about that. Charlemagne the God is best known as one third of the Power 105 Morning Show, The Breakfast Club, which is nationwide syndication. But he's also a New York Times best-selling author and the creator of the Black Effect Podcast Network. Coming up, I talked to Charlemagne about which celebrity he wants to make amends with the most, being a best-selling author and radio host, and the importance of therapy. Up next, my friend, Charlemagne the God. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Our next guest is one of my favorite people in the entertainment space, who also happens to be one-third of the Power 105 Morning Show, the legendary Breakfast Club which has been nationally syndicated, I believe, for about 10 years. Yeah, but he's awesome. Yeah, getting it. And a New York Times best-selling author and also an entrepreneur, the creator of the Black Effect Podcast Network. I, it's my honor for you to join me, my brother, Charlemagne, the God. The legend, Mr. Jalen Rose. How are you, King? I'm blessed, family. I appreciate you taking the time. No, I'm and happy to be here. And I know your history and your background and your journey and everything that you've overcome, but I would like to bring the audience into the fact that you grew up in South Carolina. Yes, sir. Born in Charleston, raised in a small town called Monk's Corner. Yeah. So what was it like for you growing up in such a small town and then now becoming essentially a celebrity today? Oh, man. I mean, I grew up a, I grew up a, a straight country boy. I grew up on a dirt road in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, like, you know, there was there was cornfields around my mom and dad's single wide trailer. We used to run through cornfields, run through the woods. Mm. But, you know, I always um, I don't know. You just you know, you always have that that spirit. Like, you know, you can you can call it God, but you just always feel something pushing you, letting you know that, man, you're, you're bigger than these circumstances. Like you can you can transcend these circumstances. And I had no reason to believe that because. There was nobody around me doing doing what I'm doing now. 
You know, I mean, you you had you had like uh the two live stools, Ryan Stewart and Doug Stewart. You know, love them, my yeah. brothers. Yeah, they from the they from they from the crib. They from Monk's Corner, but they they like my sister's age. And then you know, they went on to work at ESPN, and they had the two live stool radio show. So I would see them, but I I looked at sports radio differently than I did, you know, the, the radio that I'm doing. So they were they were the closest things I had to looking at somebody and saying, oh, that's something that I want to do. So I really don't even know what 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 was that spark that kept making me believe I'm bigger than you know Monk's Corner, South Carolina, which is also weird because I don't feel bigger than Monk's Corner, South Carolina. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I feel like I am Monk's Corner, South Carolina. I'm connected to that dirt road still to this day. Like that's a big, that's a power base for me. I feel like everything I am now is because of those upbringings in Monk's Corner. I appreciate how you've overcome any adversity that's been thrown your way. I feel like, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been in the multimedia space and using your voice to rally your people? I started off as an intern in 1998 at Z93 Jams in Charleston, South Carolina. I think I got on the air in like 99. I got on the air as a part-time radio personality in 99. And, and so since then I've worked at six different radio stations. I worked at seven radio stations total throughout my 23 year career. Power 105.1 was the seventh station. And you know, seven is God's number, man. I've been fired four mm. times from radio. So right. I've right. always I've always been that person who felt like, yo, if I'm not using the microphone to actually say something, then, then what am I doing with it? And I also feel like the times I wasn't responsible with the microphone and I was using the microphone just to, just to do BS, I got mm. my ass handed to me. Mm. You know, that's why, that's why I always say, you know, I always try to be the perfect balance mm. of ratchetness and righteousness, but I don't know if you can balance ratchetness and righteousness, even though that's just right. the human, that's just the human experience. I don't know if you can truly balance it. You know, I think that if you lean too much one way, then mm -hmm. it'll make the other way, you know, null and void. So instead of calling it ratchet and righteous, I just, I just strive to be human, man. And like, I've, I've, I've always felt like with great power comes great responsibility responsibility. I've always, regardless of what stage I was at in my career, where I was at in my career, mm -hmm. I would always bring on, you know, somebody who I felt like had something to say. I remember getting in trouble in 2000, what year was this? 2001, maybe? Yeah, 2001, 2002, maybe 03, I don't remember, but I had, mm -hmm. I had interviewed the uh, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. It was the 10 year anniversary of the Million Man March. Mm -hmm. This is Columbia, South Carolina, the Bible Belt. Right. And so I, I, I was doing youth ministry for Muhammad Moss, number 38 at the time. And so they had a press conference and you know, I asked the minister a couple questions at the press conference, recorded those, and he told me to come in his suite. So I went in his suite and he told me press record. I talked to him for like another 30 minutes. So mm. I, aired, I aired that on the radio. And I remember the program director at the time was like, I don't think you should have done that, mm. you know? Because wow. you gotta think, that's the, that's the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan. In right. the Bible Belt of Columbia, South right. Carolina. And right. I was on Saturday nights, seven to midnight, playing and, that. And, and we saw what happened with Arsenio. Yeah, yeah. Even though even though the minister's been on Breakfast Club twice. He's, he's been and, on Club. And, 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 and it's only right that you call yourself the prime minister of pissing people off. So to be fired four times, to continue to reinvent yourself how have you been able to endure when people try to feel like they clapping back? Well, number one, I, um, when, when it comes to the prime minister of pissing people off, that was me 
basically doing an Eminem and eight mile. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was owning what everybody was saying about me at the time. You know what I mean? So the prime minister of pissing people off, ruler rubbing you the wrong way. And it's like, yo, that's not, that's not my intention. You know, like even now, like even more so now, that's not my intention. I'm in the business now of like, man, I don't want to hurt nobody. And I think that mm -hmm. you don't realize that when you've been doing, when you've been doing radio as long as I have, you really don't realize how much you, you might've impacted somebody in a negative way. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, and we had Young Thug up here last week. It's the first time I ever had a conversation with Young Thug. And yep. you know, Young Thug historically used to like get at me back in the day. But I used to be getting to him, like, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm 43 years old. I grew up on a whole different style of hip hop. Even though I'm from the right. South, I was just like, it's, what, what is this over here? Right. And um, it didn't dawn on me, man. It, it, well, it dawned on me when he was sitting here, he's 30 years old. And he's telling me how much my words hurt him back in the day and wow. how mad he was about it. But I'm like, yo, he was 18, 19. Right. And he said it. He was like, yo, I was an 18, 19 year old kid coming out of the ghetto, just trying to figure things out. And you, Charlemagne, mm. you know, saying, saying, saying things about me. And he was like, man, I, he said, man, I, I didn't understand it back then. And that, and it really continued to put things in perspective for me. Just like, I don't want to hurt nobody, man. That's not, that's, that's, that's not my intention. Right. And also like, and, and I have this balance as well. It's almost like separating church and state, like your brutal honesty becomes something that we appreciate and gives you the authenticity to make us trust you because mm -hmm. we know that you're not bought, you're not purchased. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to also have, but also you can function in all situations around all people. So there is a balance, however, to still maintaining your voice. Nobody wants to be donkey of the day. You've made yourself donkey of the day. Absolutely. And so, but as somebody that took communications, radio, TV, film, and college, I appreciate how well they're written, how smart they are, how researched they are. But all people sometimes see is being the brunt of that donkey of the day. So. How is it like for you to carry that day to day, but yet still know that I'm going to keep my authenticity? I just approach things with more empathy. You know, um, even when you say authenticity, I always ask myself, you know, what is that? And what I mean by that is like, I remember, you know, being, being I remember, I remember getting caught up in being a caricature of myself. And, and the mm -hmm. reason I got caught up in being a caricature is because when you start having success and people are writing articles about you and mm -hmm. you know people are saying things about you online, they calling you the hip hop Howard Stern in your mind, right. you're like, oh, that's what y'all like? You know, let me give you more of that. But right. ultimately that's kind of what, you know, drove me crazy, you know, trying mm -hmm. to trying to be that, trying to live up to that expectation, coming home and my wife is like, who are you? Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, damn, am I really being authentic if that's not, truly who I am. So for me, being authentic is just constantly being who you are in whatever moment. Like, I know I've probably taken people on a bunch of different journeys watching me, you know, grow over this these past 11 years with The Breakfast Club. I didn't have four daughters, you know, mm -hmm. 11 years ago. I wasn't mm -hmm. going to therapy 11 years ago. I didn't have sacred purpose coaches and, you know, you know, right. doing healing energy work on myself 11 years ago. So I, yeah, I, I am a different, human being. And I know that I, I approach things with a lot more empathy. I think that I can, I'm, I'm still my authentic self. I'm just a, a different version of the person I was 11 years ago. And I should be. Muhammad Ali yes. said the person that 50 
who's yes. the same at who, who's the same as he was at 20, wasted 30 years of his life. So I shouldn't right. be the same person. Absolutely. That's what Big Sean said. When I look at pictures of my past, they should look different. And, 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 and also, though, like that level of growth also puts us in a position to now talk about our mental health and being vulnerable because that was something like I'm 48 and it was almost like shut up and do it. We'll figure it out if things got tough. Like we know about situations, people getting shot and stabbed and killed and we've been involved in those things and don't realize the trauma that our community creates for us. So when did you decide that you were gonna start giving seminars and dedicating your social media and dedicating your voice to those topics? I started going to therapy in 2016. I started going to therapy in 2016 because I was I was losing it. I just didn't want to go crazy. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I felt like I was losing it. Like I was, this when I was wilding, wilding. I was, you know, uh, really feeding into the character of, uh, of Charlemagne and, and, you know, getting all the spoils that come with that. You know, mm -hmm. the women, and yep. the, 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 mm -hmm. the, you know, I never had this much money. So I was, really living a living the life and um i was looking at my dad right and i was thinking to myself like yo i don't want to be like my father i love my father mm -hmm. but i don't want i don't want to mess up my family the way i saw my father mess up you know our family you know what Word. i mean i didn't want to do that to my my wife i didn't want to do that to my, my my daughters i had two daughters at the time and so it was just like yo i really need to be the man I need to be the best man I can be for them. And mm -hmm. plus I, I've been dealing with panic attacks and, and, and anxiety my whole life. I just never knew what it was. I didn't even get a name for it until 2010. After I had got fired for the fourth time, I was mm -hmm. like 31 years old, 32 years old, back living with my mom. My, mm -hmm. my daughter was like one or two. My, mm -hmm. my wife was back living with her parents, it's you know, in, in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And I just had like a massive anxiety attack. Like one of them ones that you, I'm like, I know I'm about to die. This is the big one, heart mm -hmm. attack. I went to the doctor. The doctor told me the same thing. He always told me, like, oh, man, you got a healthy heart. You got an athlete's heart. He was like, but he was the first person to say, you know, um, do you suffer from anxiety? That's not like you had a panic attack. And he was like, have you had these before? And I'm like, absolutely. And he was like, you know, are you stressed out about anything? And I'm like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, once he said that, all I, I, all I was thinking was like, all I got to do is get another radio gig and I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Next gig I got was the Breakfast Club. But four or five years later, I'm having more success than I've ever had in my life, mm -hmm. more money than I've ever had in my life. And panic attacks is even more intense now. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, man, I got to I got to figure this out. Like and it actually came in a moment of peace. I was on vacation. I was in one of my favorite places, Anguilla. Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting at the pool, all my family and everybody's there. And I hadn't felt peace like that in who knows how long. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how can I feel like this all the time without being on vacation all the time? Mm -hmm. And my wife was like, go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I started to go. And that just that that started the process of my my healing journey. And like to answer your question, when I started that process in 2016, unbeknownst to me, man, I I became a mental health advocate because I was mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't have anything else I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't feel genuine or to you what you said, authentic coming in here talking about other people when I got my own issues going on. So I just started Correct. talking about it, you know, talking about my anxiety and, you know, talking about bouts of depression. And I started talking about going to therapy and I didn't even know it was connecting with people. And then I put out my second book, 
in 2018, shook one, anxiety playing tricks on me. And that literally was a journal I was keeping in therapy. Went and got my man, Dr. Ish Major, to give like the clinical mm -hmm. correlations to the things I was going to. And I threw that book out, Jalen, man, and didn't even look back. And I had to go out and promote the book. And I'm realizing as I'm out here, like, I'm not ready to have these conversations. Mm. Like, these are, I, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm a sink or swim type person. So when I'm out there, I'm just right. talking to the people. I didn't realize right. what I was saying was resonating with people that much. Then, you know, the emails start coming and the phone calls and people coming up to me mm -hmm. telling me they're dealing with the same things. And I remember Tracy, um, Tracy, Tracy Jade, you know, she's a uh, Taraji's best friend and they got the Boris Lawrence Hinton Foundation. I remember she introduced me as a mental health advocate somewhere. And I'm like, I'm not no mental health advocate. And her and Taraji was like, yes, you are. Mm -hmm. Whether you whether you realize it or not, right. you are. And so I just kind of realized, man, like, this is what I want my life's work to be. I want to I want to help black people heal, especially black men. And I, I applaud that so much because, like, I started to realize it was important for me to start being more vulnerable as well. And I think it happened when I wrote my book, because like you said, it had me thinking and talking about stuff that I haven't thought about for years. Mm -hmm. And you think you're going to hire somebody to write the book. And I'm like, wait a minute. He wasn't there in 1973 when I was mm -hmm. looking at the ground, sitting in the car behind my mother. You know what I mean? Or a lot of the trauma that I started to see growing up. And I saw myself being an education advocate and I saw people like yourself opening up about your mental, psychological, and emotional uh, issues and owning it. And that's really impressive. And you started doing it through your book. And for me, other ways that I try to get therapy during the day is just try not to be on the phone. Like, if, we, if I can encourage everybody to do something, I'd at least take at least... A, 45 minutes to an hour when I'm not on the phone, I'm not on social media, I'm not staring at a computer. I don't care if I'm in a sauna. I don't care if I'm just laying in the bed with my eyes closed. Like that's something that helped me. So for those that you feel like, you know, for whatever reason, don't want to go to therapy, like what would you advise for them to do? Man, to be honest with you, I, I, I can't. Mm. I cannot advise you not to go to therapy. Mm. Like, I think therapy is the is the that important. Yeah, yes. I think I think therapy yes. is the entry point. I think you uh, you you immediately got to sit down and you know have a conversation with somebody. Now I will say this: there's a great place in Farmington, Michigan, um, and I'm sure you're very familiar with Farmington, being from the yes. D. But there's a place in Farmington, Michigan called Inception. It's ran by a brother named David McCullough and 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 his wonderful mother. And man, I never have felt stillness like this in my life. Really? Until I went to Farmington. And because I, I had this idea for like a mental health um gym. I just didn't know what that would look like. So I just Googled one day mental health gym. And this place came up. So I go to, you know, look at it online. I'm like, yo, this place can't be real. I've never heard of it. So I go to check my DMs to DM them. Brother David had been DMing me. So I I flew out there to go check it out. And man, they got this thing called brain training. When you literally sit in this zero gravity chair, they put this cover over your eyes and they check your brain waves and it's this slow mm -hmm. music playing. Yo, I, when I woke up, I didn't know where I was. I'm like, yo, where did I just go? You know, wow. same thing with float therapy. They got float therapy in there. I did float therapy for an hour. And what I see, what I've seen that place do, to your point, is make 
your mind sits still, mm. like literally. And what I realized when when people's minds finally sit still, yes, they're, they're open to talk. Yes, they're ready. They're ready to open up. You know, I uh, my, I got my late night talk show now, The God's Honest Truth, mm -hmm. on Comedy Central. And I sent my man Chico Bean, comedian Chico Bean, and a, and a rapper from Detroit named Icewear Vezel. I sent mm. them there. And mm. these brothers went through that circuit. And literally, after going through that circuit, they sat there and had a whole hour plus conversation about their trauma mm. and how they want to unpack their traumas. And so, if, if I had to tell everybody, like, you know, something to do before therapy, it would be that. But you cannot skip the step of therapy. Well, I'm going to make sure. I'm doing both and I'm going to make sure I go check out the place in Farmington oh, and I'm going to tell man. them you sent me because yes. I'm on that spiritual psychological journey. And also you mentioned and big shout and congratulations to your comedy central special, the God's honest truth. Absolutely. And other heavy hitter, Stephen Colbert, Aaron Magruder. So yeah. obviously you know, it's going to be something I can't look forward to checking out. What can the fans expect? Well, we we in our dark week this week. We had five episodes so far. Um, It comes mm. on every Friday night at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. You can scream it on Paramount Plus. But I just feel like it's 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 me. Like, it's the show that I want to do at 43 years mm. old. It's the show I need to be doing mm. at 43 years old, mm. which is... You know, putting the medicine in the candy. You know what I mean? I want people yes. to laugh and I want people to learn. You know, I'm not a yes. I'm not a comedian per se, you know what I mean? But I feel like I know how to um I feel like I know how to deliver things in a way that 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 you will be entertained. So like, you know, the first episode, we talked about the denazification of Germany and how and how something mm -hmm. like that has yet to happen here in America. And you know, if we did it in America, I would call it a decrackification. Because you know, <laughs> because cracker is a cracker is a term for a racist bigot, and that's what we need to do here in America. We need to decrackify America, mm. and and when you find out that America actually helped Germany denazify, mm. which is so strange, because Hitler actually said he was inspired by the way America used to treat its black and indigenous people. It's like yo, hold up, mm -hmm. now y'all haven't even done anything to rectify mm -hmm. what's happening with us here in this country. And, you know, we, we tackle things like critical race theory, but I call it critical racist theory. Mm. I'm, just, I'm just showing that this is just the latest example of this society trying to keep black people dumb, deaf, and blind. They mm -hmm. don't want us to know the true history of ourselves. They mm -hmm. know if we know the true history of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That knowledge yourself, man. We start realizing we gods and goddesses, kings and queens. Yes. And, yes. You know, we start moving a different way. So yes. We talk about we talk about those kind of topics. Like I've done a whole mental health episode. I've done an episode on is social media the devil? Mm. You know, and we have my man Tristan Harris who was on, uh, from the Social Dilemma. He was on that episode. If you've seen the Social Dilemma uh, documentary on Netflix, and you know, he talked about how yes, uh, the CEO of LinkedIn says that social media preys on one or more of the seven deadly sins. Like literally, that's mm -hmm. what they lean into. You know, wow. envy, you know, wrath, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it feeds off negativity. And when you realize that, yes, you will disconnect. <laughs> you will disconnect <laughs> with social media to reconnect with yourself. So, yeah, man, it's it's, it's a great show. And I, 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 I'm really enjoying doing it. And I feel like this is my future. You know, this is what I've always wanted to do, late night television. You know, I've always wanted to do 
a mixture of Arsenio Hall meets Bill Maher, Arsenio mm-hmm. Hall meets John Yo, We need that. We need that. And I think that's what we at. We getting into our groove. We only five episodes in, but you know, I think we, we getting to where we need to be. Well, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to come represent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. We would love to have you on. Done, done, and done. And before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's do it. What celebrity would you like to make amends with? What celebrity would I like to make amends with? Oh, man, probably um, probably Nicki Minaj. Cause me and Nicki used to be super, we used to be really cool. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I, I was I, I was very vocal about not liking uh, the Anaconda record. Mm-hmm. You know, back back in the day, and you know, I think you know, Nikki got yeah, de- de- probably definitely probably Nikki. You know, well, I mean, he's been on the show recently, and he shouted Nikki. So how about we putting that in the atmosphere right now? Absolutely, hundred percent. I got a lot of respect for Nikki. What Nikki has done is is you know unprecedented. Like she revitalized you know female hip hop over the past decade. Like all of these new artists, every single one of them, from Cardi to Meg to whoever. They, they, you know, it's because of Nikki. Nikki opening that lane again. So, yeah, probably Nikki. If you could interview Beyonce, what would be the first question you would ask? Sounds weird, but it's like, how, how does it feel to be Beyonce? Yes. Because Beyonce is like a queen a bee. Verb. Yeah, she's a queen bee, but she's like a <laughs> verb. Like, like, like sometimes you gotta tell people. Like, like B, B, yeah. B. <laughs> like sometimes you gotta tell people, like, yo, you not Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like there's only one Beyonce, so I, I know that's probably a strange question to ask. But I really would want her, and I'm you can't sit here and tell me she's never thought about that. Right? How does it feel to be her, Beyonce? And what's so ill about Beyonce? That's her name, so she's never really <laughs> right. been a character. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Right. She's not like Jay Z to Sean Carter. That's <laughs> right. Beyonce. Well, Papa no. Diddy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. That's, that's that'd be who interesting. Would you, who would you want to play you? In the Charlemagne the God feature film. Oh, I don't. I have no idea. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> By the time that's even on somebody's radar, I'll be an old man. You know what I mean? So who knows? I do hope that happens though, because I look at like one of my favorite movies of all time is "Talk to Me" by one of my idols and inspirations, Petey Green. Mm-hmm. Petey Green was a radio personality out of D.C. Don Cheadle played him in a movie back in the day. So I, I mean, I. I, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? We're going to get to that. What's the biggest takeaway you've learned in therapy? Ooh, so many, man. The biggest takeaway I've learned in therapy. The biggest takeaway I think I've learned in therapy is probably be kind to yourself. Mm. Be kind to yourself. I think I think we're very, very, very hard on ourselves. You know, and I think um, this era of social media and just this era that we live in where you're not even it seems like you're never allowed to make a mistake. Like mm-hmm. you're never allowed to say the wrong thing. Like so much so that people will go back 20 years ago, 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And it's it's almost like I'm in the Marvels, right? So in, in the Marvel universe, they have these multiverses where they have all these different variants mm-hmm. of characters. So it's like, you're gonna really take the 20, the 20 year old me and try to right. compare it to the 43 year old me. It's right. like, I, that, that, that brother don't even exist. Right. And for somebody like me who grew up, first book my dad ever gave me was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm, When I read that, I understood evolution. I understood transformation. I understood growth. And when I started studying 
you know, the Nation of Islam teachings and the art of, and I read, uh, you know, the, the message to the black man by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, seeing Cassius Clay go from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought life was all about growth. I thought life yeah. was all about evolution. So right. it's weird that, you know, we live in this era where people just always want to hold you to, 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 the, to the worst parts of, of your mm -hmm. existence, you know, reduce you to the worst things you've ever said. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, for me, it's just being 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 kind to yourself, because you know we we'll we'll see that mm -hmm. we'll we'll beat up on ourselves just for the yeah. things that we know about ourselves, but then beat up on ourselves for the things people are saying about us, you know. So I just think we got to be kind to ourselves. That. That's the that's the biggest thing I think I learned in therapy. Be kind to yourself. I love that because each year during the NBA draft, my red and white suit with my Mari Gators representing Detroit gets shown, and to some people. <laughs> It's the greatest thing they've seen. To some people, they want to clown it. It's the worst thing that they've seen. But I ain't have a budget, and I was representing my hometown. But what they don't see was when I look at that picture, I think about the night before, how I was trying to pick the bump up underneath my eye with wow. alcohol all night. Or, like, my skin was really bad, and I had a bald head. And I'm like, man, I'm about to be on the big stage right now. And so when I look at that picture... I see pain. Wow. You know what I mean? And so when I see my new draft picture, when it's 2020 and 21, I see success. And I know exactly what you mean. So I appreciate you acknowledging that level of growth. And last but certainly not least, mm -hmm. please go ahead. No, I was going to say that you're, you're absolutely right. Because I, I look at myself when I was younger, and that's exactly what I see. I see trauma. I see mm -hmm. pain. I see hurt. And, you yes. know, that's why it was so easy for me to project that hurt on mm -hmm. a lot of people when I was, you know, younger in the game. I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. In my mind, I'm keeping it real. Right. You know, but really, I'm really just projecting hurt on people. Right. So yes, I totally understand what you mean. So what advice would you give, and this is last but not least, what advice would you give young radio journalists that want to get into this game? Be, be yourself. Like, truly honestly, wholeheartedly be your authentic self. Don't get caught up in being a second-rate version of anybody, you know, because that was, that's that's what I did. When they when they called me Hip-Hop Howard Stern, I'm like, oh, I'm about mm -hmm. to be the Hip-Hop Howard Stern, not even understanding the whole totality of Howard right. Stern. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I only, I only saw parts of Howard mm -hmm. Stern. So I started doing that type of stuff, like, you know, so right. I didn't understand the brilliant interviewer that Howard you know mm -hmm. Stern is, and that's why even now when I see people give give Howard Stern flack for not being the same at sixty something that he was the wild mm -hmm. dude at twenty, I'm like, he's sixty something years old. He's right. been in therapy. He's done work on himself. Like, what do you want him mm -hmm. to do at right. this point? So, yeah, I would just tell everybody truly be your authentic self, man. Because if you're talented, whatever you truly are is enough. And and don't be afraid to take people on that journey. Because I've seen so many radio personalities be stuck, you know, still putting their hat on backwards and dying their beard. Mm. And, you know, yes, yes, y'all. And then still mm -hmm. trying to be the young man, but you're really the old right. man in the club now. Right. It's Smelling like, like a pound. That's right. That's right. It's like, yo, don't be afraid to grow up in front of people and, and evolve in front of people. So I, I would just tell people, man, be just truly be your real authentic self. Don't get caught up in being a caricature of anybody else. Or if you see something working for somebody else, don't think that's your lane. Like, really, really, really find out who you are because this game is all about your voice. 
Right. Right. And you gotta you gotta really find your voice because mm -hmm. because when you're different and you got something really unique to say and a story that people mm -hmm. have never heard before, it's going it's going transcend way better than trying to be a second rate version, a third rate version of somebody else. And you gotta be yourself all of the time. That's right. So I love and appreciate you, my brother. I love and you. And we definitely you, gonna King. get up and break bread. We're stronger with our voices, our ability to not only rally our people, but rally one another. Look forward to catching up and breaking bread with you soon. My brother, I gotta get you on the TV show too, man. Anytime, looking right. forward to it, done Absolutely. and done. Absolutely, King, peace, thank All you. love. Last call, last call. I really would like to thank Charlemagne the God for stopping by the show. The conversation was dope. I learned a lot. And you know what? I'm really inspired by watching him continue to grow as a person, host, and media mogul. And I actually look forward to not only watching the God's Honest Truth on Comedy Central, but being a guest. Stay tuned for that. The season is changing. It's the last month of the year, and we're about to wrap up 2021. How are you headed into 2022? Like a lion or a lamb? Is it shots of Casamigos or wheatgrass shots? You ready for this? How about that booster shot? However you choose to end the end of the year, just know, you, me, we survived a lot. Congratulations. We're still here. And we're stronger people because of it. We got a lot to look forward to. As long as we set goals and take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of ourselves. I'm ready. You ready? Let's get it. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week. <laughs>